0: about you but those parts of god's word where he talks about the love he has for me and and how he wants to pour it out on me I, i love those can't get enough of them but then when he talks about how he wants me to sacrifice myself to love others to be honest sometimes i could happily skim over those problem is when we do that we miss out on what love is all about I'm Bertie Diamond. Thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the final message in this series called All You Need Is Love. And we're going to check out the amazing things that happen when we allow God's love to flow out through us into the lives of those around us. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you experience the transformational power of God's love in your life. Well, how are you today? I hope that if you've been able to join me these last few weeks on the program you've been as touched and as moved by the love of God as I have. There's something so special about God's love, it it never fails. We've seen too how that love is for everyone, everyone who would come to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness and his help. That leper who we met the other week, who cut through every legal, religious and social barrier to kneel down at Jesus' feet and say to him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, be made clean. And the unclean woman who'd been hemorrhaging for 12 years, who pressed through the crowd to touch Jesus' cloak and was healed through her faith and his power and his love. This healing love isn't just for the greatest. It's also for the least, the poor, the lame, the blind, the marginalized, the prisoners, the brokenhearted. It's for everyone, and everyone includes you and me. But here's the thing, and it's an odd thing. Love is only love when we give it away. If it just flows in without ever flowing out, it becomes stagnant and eventually it dies. So today I'd like to take a look at what we should do with this amazing love that God pours out on us. Because when we start doing something with that love, it's only then that our lives become rich and fulfilled. It's interesting how often God's Word talks about the inflow And the outflow of love happens quite a bit. Although us being who we are, we kind of lap up the bits about God's love being poured onto us. But when it comes to us, you and me, sacrificing our lives so that his love can be poured out on others, well, that's not so much what we want to hear. If you happen to go to church, let me ask you... When was the last time you heard a message or a sermon on this passage, 1 John 3, verse 16? We know, love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Yeah, right. We don't much like that second bit, but surprisingly, it's in that second bit that we discover our purpose in life. And when we live out that purpose, we discover fulfilment and contentment. And those are commodities everyone's looking for, only to discover that when you look in the wrong places, they're very much in short supply. But in the kingdom of God, in God's economy, there's more than enough fulfilment and contentment to go around. So let's unpack this a bit and see if we can not get some more fulfilment and contentment happening in your life and in mine. So let's explore this link between living out God's love, letting it flow out of us, and contentment and satisfaction, because they are intrinsically linked. Let's pick it up again, 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 15. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears hasn't reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters, are liars. For those who do not love a brother or a sister whom they have seen can't love God whom they haven't seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. So first up, when we believe in Jesus, it's not about some distant belief. It's about God abiding in us and us abiding in him. Great word, that abiding. It means to move in to stay. It means an intimate setting up of our lives together. And because God is love, then when he dwells in us, his saving love dwells in us too. For me, and for everyone else too, that means having a relationship with him. It means trusting him, praying, reading his word, listening, enjoying, living our lives for him, making decisions that honour Jesus. That's what abiding means. And then what we discover in that place is this amazing love. It just floods over us and envelops us and we blossom and we thrive in it because not only do we experience the love of Jesus who died so that we could be forgiven, We experience the love of Jesus who rose again, and through that we have a new life. And that new life, coming with all the ups and downs for sure, that new life, living, dwelling, abiding in the love of this awesome God. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears hasn't reached perfection in love forgiven, no longer afraid, blessed, absolutely awesome. And friend, if you believe in Jesus, but that's not the sort of life you're having, then it's time to do some abiding. Because whatever our circumstances, he wants us to rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. But right following on from this description of this fantastic love is the outworking of that love in our lives. Please listen carefully with me to this. First John chapter 4, beginning at verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters, are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they haven't seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters too. See, what, what God's saying to us here through the Apostle John is this. If you're experiencing the love of God, I mean truly, really powerfully in your life, then you won't be able to help yourself. You'll end up loving others because he first loved you. And, and if we kid ourselves by saying, hey, I love God, without living God's love out in our lives, then we're liars. You can't help it. Immerse yourself in God's love and the natural inevitable consequence of that love is love for others. And here's the exciting bit. I was made to love people one way and you were made to love them another way. Romans chapter 12 verses 4 to 8. We're not going to go there right now. But that sets out all the different gifts that we have. You and I are different. And God's plan is that we live out who we are by loving other people. If you read those giftings in Romans chapter 4, you'll discover that one of them is to be a leader. It's what I am. And the way I love other people is by using my strength to get things done for them. You may be an encourager, and the way you love them is by encouraging them, and so on. Is it hard sometimes? Absolutely. If you spend any time with me, you might just find from time to time that I'm difficult to love, and vice versa, right? The point is... Even when we're still struggling or hurting in our lives, one of the greatest things we can do is to take as much of God's love as we've experienced so far in our abiding with him and go and love other people with it using the gifts and motivations and talents that God's given us. And when we do that, it's absolutely awesome. First, those other people get blessed by what God's given through us And the crazy thing is, we get blessed too, because finally we're living the life God always meant for us to live. Do you see? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God prepared beforehand for us to walk into. And if perhaps God's love is feeling a bit stale in your life at the moment, it's time to go and give some of it away. There's a reason for that, because faith without works is dead. Go give it away. Go sacrifice for others. Then all of a sudden, it comes back to life again. It's the way God planned for it to be. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works as we take this short break. I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you experience the incredible transformational power of God's love for real in your life. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotion with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or, if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on one 722 415 to request the printed devotional. Completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free 1-300-722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Now, when you throw a stone into a pond, it makes a splash. But the ripples, well, the ripples reach further than the splash ever could. When we meet Jesus, he makes a splash in our lives, and that's fantastic. But what about the ripples? Turns out he really cares about the ripples that go way, way out to the edge of the pond. Well, over these last few weeks, we've been exploring the saving love of God through Jesus. This, this love that is completely unconditional. This love that surpasses all understanding, that goes way beyond anything we could ever have imagined. I guess that's why the Apostle Paul wrote these words with such incredible passion. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God? And the exciting thing is that as we reach out day by day, as a tree's branches reach upwards towards the sun and as its roots reach ever deeper and wider into the rich moist earth, what we discover is that whatever direction we go, upwards, downwards, outwards in his love, we discover in our own experience that his love has no limits. We we never run into any boundaries. There's never a point at which his love stops. And that's how we know the love of God, which surpasses all knowledge, as we discover in our very own experience that his love is infinite. But as we saw before the break... Unless we do something with this love, unless we bear fruit, then ultimately our faith dies. Faith, after all, without works, is dead. James chapter two, verse 20. So what do we do with this love? How, how do we allow it to flow out of us into a lost and hurting world? Jesus said this to his disciples, John chapter 15, verse 16. "You didn't choose me." But I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So, a tree is meant to bear fruit. And when we become rooted and grounded in Christ's love, as we spread out our branches into the fresh sunlit air, as our roots go deeper and deeper into the rich, moist, fertile earth of his love, as we become established and grow in Christ, so we are meant to bear fruit. It's a natural consequence of being loved by him and of loving him. That's what we saw before the break. First John chapter 4, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. And so right now, I'd like to introduce you to a man who went through a radical transformation because Jesus came into his life. And in particular, we're going to explore what Jesus told him to go and do after his life had been transformed. That man... That man is known to many as the Gerasene demoniac. Let's listen to his story. Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any more, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke into pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always howling and and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged Jesus, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and the swine reported it, then they began to ask and beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting back in the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might go with Jesus. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown to you. And the man went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. Everyone was amazed. I mean, it's amazing stuff. This man was absolutely crazy and completely out of control. There were no mental institutions in those days, and every attempt to chain him had failed. So he'd been consigned to living out of town amongst the graves like an animal, all because the devil had got hold of his life and possessed him with many demons. Of course, Jesus had the power to cast these demons out, which he did rather spectacularly, As a result, a whole herd of pigs throws itself off a cliff. The locals were delighted, of course, and as he's leaving, this demoniac, former demoniac, comes to Jesus with such incredible gratitude. For the first time in goodness knows how long, he's free. He is so grateful, he wants to follow Jesus wherever he goes. Why did Jesus set this man free? because the heart of God is filled with healing love that he would pour out upon even the most unfortunate wretch. The healing love of God flowed through Jesus into this man's life, and now he wants to repay Jesus by becoming one of his disciples. I mean, it's a pretty natural response, don't you think? But look at what Jesus tells him to do. Jesus refused and said to the man, "'Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you.'" and what mercy he has shown you. And the man went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Why did Jesus do that? Because he knew that this man's life had been radically transformed by God's love, and he wanted this man to go and pour that love out into his local community. This demoniac had been shown grace and mercy, and now Jesus wanted him to go home And tell his friends about it. Go become part of your community again. Go tell them of me. Jesus wasn't so much interested in jumping up and down about the splash that he'd made through setting this man free. He wanted the splash to have a ripple effect that would go on and on through the community and down through the generations. Do you see? When our lives are transformed by the healing love and mercy of Jesus Christ, then Jesus comes in and turns our world upside down with his saving love. He doesn't want us to go into a holy huddle. He wants us out there sharing that very same love and mercy that's touched our lives with all those other people out there who need the very same love and mercy. Now, I know sometimes I can be a slow learner. I I can be stubborn and stiff-necked, and so it takes a while to get things through my thick skull. But for years I'd been trying to make myself happy by by getting everything to flow into me, wealth, recognition, success, and as you may have heard me say before, those things ultimately never brought the fulfilment and contentment that I was looking for. It wasn't until I, like the Gerasene demoniac, was set free by Jesus that I discovered that I could share his grace and his mercy and his love with other people. And you know the amazing thing, once I started doing that, once his love started flowing out of me into the lives of other people, that fulfilment and contentment that I'd been looking for for all those years absolutely flooded my life, just the way Jesus always intended, actually. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. I want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. We live in a world that sometimes feels anything but loving. So it's not always easy to wrap our hearts around God's amazing love. It's not always easy to experience God's love for ourselves. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet called The Power of Love. It's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching that I believe God is wanting to use to speak His life-changing love into your heart. And at the end of each chapter, there are some life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. Or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and I'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that this particular booklet will be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Now there's one thing absolutely for certain... When it comes to pouring his love on us, God is anything but stingy. He doesn't hold back. In fact, just when you think you've experienced as much of his love as there could possibly be, he pours out more and more and more. And that's exactly how he wants us to share his love with those around us. I wonder if you can ever have too much love. I wonder whether it's possible to give away too much love. My hunch is not. In fact, we live in a world where, frankly, there just isn't enough love going round. And that is so sad because so many of us believe in this God who poured his love out for us on that cross through Jesus. Romans chapter 5. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we now stand and we boast in our hope of sharing in the glory of God. And not only that, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And this hope doesn't disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. For while we were still weak, just at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God's poured his spirit out into us. This God who is love. He's proven his love for us through Jesus. And yet somehow we don't experience his love, either because we don't really believe that it's for us or because we simply don't. Don't draw close to Jesus day after day in those quiet times with him alone. And as a direct consequence of that, his amazing love doesn't flow out through us into a lost and hurting world. Friend, if you've been struggling to receive God's love and to give it away, then today is the day to believe that his mighty love is for you. Today is the day to lay hold of that scripture that I've just shared with you, Romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 8, and believe that it's true for you, for your life, amidst your trials and suffering, because it is. And I'd like to finish this series on the amazing love of God with an exhortation and encouragement for you to love more and more. Again, it comes from the Apostle Paul, this time writing to his friends in Philippi. Have a listen. Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight. You see, what Paul was urging the Philippians to do here was to let the love of God in them overflow more and more Into those around them. And it's by letting that happen that God impacts other people's lives and produces a harvest of righteousness. What does that mean? That by sending Jesus to die for you and for me, He's given us the free opportunity to be righteous. In other words, to have a right standing before Him by forgiving our sin. And as we experience God's forgiveness and then we're overwhelmed in the knowledge of His love for us, That is then meant to overflow out of us more and more into the lives of other people who in turn will come to know Jesus and experience his love so that they in turn can overflow this perfect, wondrous love more and more into the lives of those around them. Friend, the love of God is the most amazing and wondrous thing I've ever experienced. Without any shadow of any doubt... His perfect love casts out all fear. His perfect love heals all my wounds. His perfect love has completely and utterly transformed my life. And he means that to happen not just in one or two lives, but in the life of everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. More and more. Today, But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to experience the power of God's love in Jesus Christ for themselves. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give toward the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over 2,500 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous, tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier called The Power of Love. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll free on one 722 415 Thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again the same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.